This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business. Hi, I'm Nancy Taylor. I am a co-founder and CEO of Epoch Evolution. What I love about fashion is fashion. I love the idea of how it makes you feel, your identity when you wake up and then what I put on every day identifies me and my being. And I love that aspect of it. You can change how you look, how you feel, how people perceive you, how you move, um, whether you're warm, whether you're cold, all with fashion. I love that aspect of it. Hi, my name is Hannah Franco. I am the co-founder and CMO of Epoch Evolution. And what I love about sustainability is that it is always changing. There is no one fixed answer or right way to be sustainable. And it really challenges all our creative edges to keep growing and evolving with what the world and the industries need that we work within. From New York City. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Mark Rakel, one of your hosts, and of course, also here uh, from Bellwether Culture and really just representing himself as well, Mr. Puffin Paul. Hi, Puffin. <laughs> hey, what's going on, Mark? How are you? Hey, man. Hey, man. You're sporting the, you're sporting the man bun proper. It's- it's uh yeah it's a it's what did we call it it's a him his bun now it's a him his bun but right now it just looks it just it looks askew (laughs) it looks just askew like i think that's just part of having a little one right so it's it's growing its own personality at this point that's right it's it's celebrating the holidays anyway uh good to see you man and uh nancy uh taylor and hannah franco welcome to the show we're really so happy to have you here thank you well, absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, we're thrilled to be here. You you have started a really interesting company. Uh, where do you think you fit into right now? H- how does your company fit into exactly where the mindset is in fashion consumers and frankly, the fashion industry right at this very moment? Our name literally has the word evolution in it. And that is intentional. And I think that we have started this brand with the idea that we would want to evolve to fit women's needs and the industry's needs, you know, as it changes. And that's definitely core to, you know, why and how we create clothing. And so the pandemic has given us a really interesting opportunity to shape how we design and how we think and how we connect with our consumer so that we're actually meeting the needs that she has. Uh, And because we have a foundation in function and performance, We've created clothing that is, you know, originally ideal for travel, but interestingly enough, perfect for working from home and juggling parenting and all the many things that, you know, women need to do today during this really interesting time frame. So, Nancy, um, I was I was mentioning um, that you guys were early in terms of thinking about a fully, let's say, sustainable and transparent supply chain. Um, and I'm wondering, four years back, uh, well, I would say that the first time that circular economies have become like a real prevalent conversation were about two years ago. Um, but four years ago, you started this company together. So I'm wondering what those conversations initially were and what drove you to um, to start Epoch. I've been in the industry for my entire career and I've traveled quite extensively and I have watched them in different countries how we produce clothing and I've done some deep dive trips from the raw materials on and I saw it I saw it happening and I 
took a breath and I thought, if I'm going to start this business and do something new with Hannah and I both had this strong grounding in the environment, is that we had to do it differently. We had to do it better. And I also knew that it was going to start coming like a, like a, like a train force of people's awareness coming here and we had to do it right. And it was more challenging than what I had expected to start with, especially at the raw material state. I thought it would be much easier to find like smaller, smaller quantities and be able to move through and find it from a sustainable point. And we had to take our time. And it was like a needle in a haystack every single time of finding the right, right raw materials to start with. And then how we produce it. We do not produce in any factory we haven't walked in. We see how how people are treated. We see how they, you know, take their waste management, how they do solar power, how they how they roll all of that in there firsthand. And it was really important to us in the DNA in our business because if we were gonna do this, we had to do it right. So that was just something that was we were passionate about, just born from our experiences and seeing what type of um, industry we had created. And we've worked for really great companies where they have very high standards. And even saying that, there's still, we can do so much better. We can do so much better. Actually, talking about the companies that you come from, I'm, I'm assuming that you both met at Athleta. Is that correct or no? It is because yeah, because yeah, the tenure for both of you were eight plus years, so eight and ten years respectively. And um, you know, can you describe, I guess, the size and the culture of the company when you both started there versus when you left? Uh, about one hundred and fifty million to an excess of eight hundred million. So it was quite a growth, quite a growth strategy. Yeah, and we, I, I loved working with um, the company and the brand. I have so much gratitude and respect for the opportunity to grow our brand in that way and for who we work for. I mean, tremendous. And you're, and for clarity, um, you both worked in the design side of things at Athleta. And yeah. then I'm assuming you're leading the design inspiration and direction of Epoch as well. We jointly do that together. And then we, we, Hannah is this wizard at marketing and has all the creative content in marketing. And then um, I'm on the operational side and handle most of the production part of it. Uh, as, a, as a startup, you have to wear a lot of hats. So we have those main categories and then we cross over a lot, but we co-design everything. We share that. And I think that's the strength of the brand. Yeah. And, and Hannah, you know, to couple off of something that Nancy mentioned is about the education and, you know, thinking through like you, you know, saw kind of it coming, like the consumer mind shift changing. Um, but did you expect that the tipping point would come so soon? Or when did you expect it when you initially started the brand versus, because there was, when we were talking even two years ago, the, the main problem was the education. It was, you know, it was already identified by the industry. It was identified by governments. It just wasn't identified by the consumer. Uh, but now it feels like things have changed dramatically. I mean, I would say that that has so much to do with the way information is shared now. Everyone is on social media. There are platforms for education. So it's not just a brand educating down. It's people educating up and across. And there are forums for people to complain and request that companies do better and behave better. And I think that that's actually what's really started to make the tectonic shift. I mean, the irony is I remember Everlane talking about radical transparency and Vogue started talking about it this year. You know, so I think that there's just a mix. I think everyone's coming at it from a really different perspective. 
Um, and I think that it's great and we need it coming from every angle. I think that's actually one of the foundational elements of how we think about sustainability. We often use the word responsibility because we don't want to simply say, it's not a simple answer. It's not cut and dry. It's like, oh, we use recycled fabric. Therefore, we are sustainable. It's a complex question, right? You know, well, what's the mill like for that fabric? Is the mill using sustainable practices? You know, what are their human resources? You know, how are they treated? Um, what's the care like on the other end for the garment? Is it super toxic dry cleaning? Uh, and then, of course, we're taking into consideration the functionality of the clothing. You know, is it something that's going to be worn really hard and therefore start to fall apart and then be thrown away? Or do you want to design something that lasts and truly functions for a longer period of time? I think that the beautiful thing about sustainability is it is a conversation and it is always evolving. And that's why it's so wonderful that we have so many people involved coming from so many different perspectives, because you just are doing the best to make the most responsible choice that you can at that moment and keep learning. As you grow this company, Hannah and Nancy, uh, how do you how do you reconcile or balance um, playing a role in the driving of sustainability within the fashion industry versus playing the role of leader? Uh, in other words, uh, driving and saying we're trying to be at the point of this as much as we can versus saying, hey, we're doing our thing and contributing to the larger tapestry of this unfolding as a larger and larger piece of what drives the fashion industry. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts about, about trying to ride both of those rails and how you decide at what times you're just doing your own, fulfilling your own destiny with your brand versus trying to play leader? Is that a fair question? Yeah, I think we want to do both in, in this way of, of kind of bringing the customer along. I think where we're leading is that we saw this opportunity, we call it chic and eco, is that a lot of the eco brands were not as fashion forward or as cool. They were doing the right method of producing the apparel, but it wasn't really fashionable or chic. And, and we really want to say you can be you can look good and you can have eco choices and it doesn't have to be at a price point of some of the higher end designers. Stella McCartney is amazing. I love that. But the vast majority can't afford her high end innovative pieces. She is innovative. She's sharing and it's wonderful. Um, we would love as a brand to get to the place where we can innovate on you know, with, with different partners and kind of push the boundaries and then share that and make it more affordable and approachable for most people. But we, education is key. We don't, we, we're not saying we're doing it hundred percent, right. We're trying to do it hundred percent. Right. And I think that part and that journey is like really looking at your practices and being open to what's new and changing and educating the customer. I think the biggest, the biggest part for us is it's seated in education. We really believe like this, this, this part of understanding where your choices matter and what happens with that. And education is the unlock of making people make better informed choices. Can you unpack that? How you're, how you're contributing to that education practically? Yeah. So I think that, you know, we're doing it through a number of different channels. Uh, we have partnered with some really phenomenal women as we've built this business and we use our journal as a place to profile them and help them tell their story. We just profiled these really amazing women who are, uh, they founded this company called Better Packaging Co. Shout out to them. They're amazing. Um, but they're designing compostable packages. And in a world where a direct consumer business is kind of 
the go-to. And especially right now during the pandemic, everyone has to ship everything. Uh, packaging is becoming a real issue. And so partnering with them and telling their story and helping our consumers understand did you know that you can compost this stuff? It says it on the bag, but let's like make sure you really know and you really understand why and the reason behind why they're doing what they're doing. Um, so we tell stories through them in a way that feels compelling and interesting to our consumers, as well as through Instagram and videos. Um, I think we're telling a lot of stories right now around how to buy less and use longer with our capsule wardrobe. So we're helping educate her and, okay, so you think you can only wear this for one season? We're going to style with this. You know, we still style with clothing from the beginning of our launch. You know, we don't think that she needs to throw things away. We think that it's more about being creative. There's a lot of different channels in which um, we're pursuing to make sure that education actually, actually happens. And of course, we have all the information on our website at all times, and we try and weave it into every email that we send out. So I think that those are some ways in which we're really excited um, and also continuing to highlight other sustainable brands with our giveaways, you know, so that she understands that, okay, cool, this is like one area, but like, have you considered all the other areas and all the other companies you could be supporting that are also helping move this mission forward? I think in relation to your last question, um, one of the things that I feel like is important to note is that the rails are many. It's like a, it's like a circle. <laughs> it's a giant spiral. And everyone is on a different part of those rails and everyone is helping move the train forward. And I think it's just so important to hone down on that again, because every single aspect of this needs to be moved forward and everyone needs to be participating in order for that to truly happen. You, you know, it's interesting. When I first started paying attention to this industry, meaning fashion as a whole, I came in with a conversation in a lens of digital. And this is in 2008, 2009. And uh, for many years, I was helping brands navigate innovation, right? This kind of influx of technology that was coming in and changing the ways that we interacted with our customers and the way that we conducted our business overall internally. And at the time, one of the biggest problems that I found or bottlenecks was just the unwillingness for companies to share, um, you know, their knowledge. Uh, and then uh, also collaboration was just not very um, much akin to the fashion industry as a whole. And of course, we've seen that uh, change. But I think even even still now, um, you're finding that things like trade secrets, such as who your manufacturer is, their name, their location, uh, this is information that you have very visible, uh, not only on the website, but extremely highlighted on the website. Um, many folks would probably still say there is no way I am going to let people know my source, right? Because then they can quote unquote copy me. Now, of course, you're not part of that same camp. It's clear as day. Um, but are there, are there, I guess, um, risks associated, um, with keeping, you know, your full supply chain out there? And if not, and how you view it, um, how are you mitigating those risks? And then also, how would you communicate to other brands that may be hesitant to do the same? I think when we started the brand, again, we came from an idea of collaboration, supporting um, other entrepreneurs and full transparency. I think that the consumer really wants to trust and believe in what you're doing. And our partners are amazing. We want to support them. If it helps grow their business, it helps grow our business. It's a collaborative space. Um, if somebody calls us up and wants to talk to us and um, once information, we are so open to helping other founders. We would not have gotten where we've gotten at all without the help and support of our network and people that were willing to share. Um, there's not a moment that goes by where we're 
we hit a we hit a we hit a wall and we're like, okay, wh- where do we get this information? How do we solve it? And we put it out there, and somebody's willing to share and open the door, and that's how things evolve. And I, I, Hannah and I both were we are so passionate about that part of it, and I don't feel that it's a, a threat or something that would take us down to share that. I think that I'm proud of who our our, our partners are in building our business, and um, I want to share that information. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And and look, the the way that you're also selecting these manufacturers are, is uh, something to taught. Um, you know, making sure that they are using things like renewable energies and sustainable. Uh, you know, the fabrics separate from the manufacturer. I'm assuming. Um, but the, the whole way down is that you're, you know, again, the way that they treat their employees, um, the conditions that are, that are met for, you know, their ecosystem. It's, uh, it, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, do you, do you find, do, or do you know if by showcasing them, you have resulted in more business for these independent manufacturers? I, 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 is there a way to monitor that yeah, or has that been a cons- is that been something that you've been interested in looking yeah, into? I, I don't know. I mean, we're we're in a range of factories, like some very large ones that are that are bigger suppliers to some smaller ones and they don't have visibility to that. Um I, I think in this industry too, no matter how or where where you manufacture or what you're doing, you succeed because your ideas are creative and they evolve and they move forward. So whether we share where we're manufacturing or not is not going to be the success or the downfall of the brand. I think the success of the brand is the continual evolution and really listening to the customer and where the brand needs to grow and evolve and being slightly ahead of that curve. That's where we'll succeed and not because people understand or know where we're manufacturing. Yeah, no, I get, I agree. And it starts with the product also, right? So I think that um, where we are today is that sustainability and the message of it, um, you know, if you're from the consumer side is a nice to have, not a must have, especially in times where, you know, financial uh, situations are constrained uh, for the most part, for the majority of Americans in the world. Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty. So the design ends up being, I think, the product is is key, right, to everything. And then you start funneling down from there. So it's obviously clear that between the success on the design side that you've had with Athleta and now bringing uh, your acumen, uh, because the design is you both, right? It's it's Hannah and Nancy. Um, and, and then bringing that into uh, Epoch is probably what I would guess is, you know, an 80% or 90% driver of purchase, Um the the rest is there's other brands out there that are sustainable. You know, this is again a pretty large movement uh, that you are of course ahead of, uh, but it's here, right? Um, and it's it's pretty it's it's fascinating to see the, the the world shift so fast now. Yeah, you know, and you know, I'm curious when when we learned about your brand the way it was described to us. One phrase stuck out at me, uh, popped out at me, and that was the phrase, you know, because the 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 descriptions. Uh, uh, easy to wash, quick to dry, uh, sustainable, organic, upcycled, dead stock, post-consumer waste, recycled fibers. All these things are so important and they're not easy to achieve, but, but they're not the first time we've seen that specific set of descriptors, not to take anything away from what you've accomplished. What struck me was the phrase well-edited. 
I was sort of curious. Uh, there was well edited, and then there was responsibly crafted. I loved both of those phrases. And beyond the marketing value of those phrases, tell us about what that really means in terms of how you separate from the pack of what else is out there, kind of uh, jumping off of part of what Pavin was saying. How, how do those phrases play into what makes you pop out and be different? Yeah, so I think that it all starts with, you know, how we think about the woman we're designing for, aka, let's be real, us. <laughs> um, we just had this moment, you know, the, the origin story of our brand is that, you know, we've obviously worked together for a long time and been friends for an even longer time. And um, we had gone on a trip to Morocco. I promise this is leading somewhere. And uh, I'd been living in Europe at the time, and I was working between Italy and Israel and just like bopping all around. Oh, the days of travel. Mm. And, and I showed up in Morocco with a backpack and Nancy was like, where are your clothes? Where are your clothes? <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's like, how did you fit everything into this small backpack? And I was like, well, I've just gotten really good at editing as I pack and making sure that I have a selection of things that works for all the stuff I want to do from, you know, hiking to, you know, going to work or going out at night or, you know, whatever, like the whole range of activities that we see as women in our day. And, you know, as we were having a glass of wine on the rooftop in Morocco, we were like, God, wouldn't it be amazing if we had clothes that actually did all the things that we do in our day. And so we created this foundation of, you know, God, why, why aren't fashion companies making clothes for women's real lives? You know, so you see the active industry and they're making amazing, super comfortable, stretchy clothes that women are starting to wear more and more and more because you can just like do everything and, and you're comfortable and you have to worry if your kids spill something on them and you can just like get, hop into your workout class at any time, you know, and then, and then you see like the fashion industry, which is like, you know, gorgeous things that make you feel good about yourself and that make you feel like a boss babe, but they just hadn't managed to meet and they hadn't managed to acknowledge the fact that women's lives are really full and complex. Nancy and I always joke that we live a 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. life, and it is nonstop from the beginning to the end. And there are a lot of different things happening in that day. And if we were to truly pack for all the different looks we would need, we would need a bunch of bags every day just to make it through our day. Forget traveling, just a day. Uh, ask your wives. They'll know what we're talking about. So we realized that we needed to really just start to channel that energy of like, what do women's real lives look like? What do they really need in that edit? How, how can we design clothing that really enables them to live their full busy lives uh, without them having to think about it? We wanted it to be effortless, essential, chic pieces that, as Nancy says, you can't wash fast enough because you want to wear them again the next day. They're the most important pieces in your closet. They're the real workhorses. And so, you know, that was really how we think about the concept of well-edited. And that's really how we think about designing for our brand. Every time we, you know, are working on a product line, we're like, okay, but, but is this our favorite piece in our closet? Is this the one we can't take off? Is this the one that we're going to both show up in and twin in? most days this mm -hmm. week you know <laughs> is this the one that's really going to help us live our full lives the way we want to every business has at least one big pivotal moment the moment when you say okay we're at this turning point so then what i'm lahari neil peretti founder of LN Accounting Advisor. 
I hope you'll join me each week on my podcast, Then What? As we talk with successful business leaders who push past their business's biggest then what moments and succeed in an even bigger way because of effective leadership and solid business practices. It's inspiring and deeply useful information for any entrepreneur. Subscribe to Then What on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. Now, so of course, this is um, a fashion technology or retail technology podcast. So I want to now shift gears a little bit, if that's okay, to, um, you know, the mechanisms and the processes that you put in place that are tech enabled, let's say, uh, to allow you to do what you're doing um, at scale. So even as you grow from where you are today to where you're going to want to be in five years, what are some of the things that you're thinking about and what type of technologies can you not live without right now? Well, the analytical data is king for sure. And the more we can slice and dice it and get the right tools that will give us back the information that we need from the customer to help us um, sort through the successes, wins, losses, the consumer data, CRM data is amazing. So we're learning every day. We are trying to incorporate more and more into it. And um, we just recently went through a a big CRM review and the the information that came out of it was invaluable to us and will allow us to grab and grow. Um, I think, you know, as sometimes it's a simple information, like uh, logistics and freight is huge. It's like the smallest Mm -hmm. part. Not, sim- yeah, not simple I mean, at all. Those are, those are opportunities from a business perspective um, and then finding the right partners that will help you manage it. And then looking at all that um, ongoing, it's, it's, it's this vast web of tools and then what tools are user-friendly and then how you can go through that. And I'll let Hannah talk to from the CRM and the consumer data information, some of the newer tools that we're using and how we've been transforming that into reaching out to the customer. Yeah, absolutely. I would just say another thing, just to call this out, since our current situation is very interesting, we're lucky in that we've all been a remote team for most of our formation of the company anyway. And so we have had the benefit of having a lot of these tools to collaborate and share ideas and work together in different time zones and different locations um, for the entire time we've been a company, which is fantastic. Um, And in terms of the consumer analysis that we've been doing, I think that, you know, we're just continually working to to call the data in a way so that we understand exactly how to reach out to our consumer in the way that she wants to be communicated with, with the product she wants to be communicated about. And so, you know, helping us understand from that, you know, down through the funnel and then back up to us, you know, how it is that we are communicating. Does it work for her? What is she wanting from us next? And, you know, what the new paths for communicating to her are. Are, are you using, are you on, um, on Shopify or... Uh, a separate yeah, platform. Sure. Okay. We've been uh, so lucky to yeah. be on there from the beginning. It, oh it's amazing what you can do now with like yeah, I mean, way less complicated. Um, it's all in one place. There used to be a team of 14 people that gave us the data analytics that Shopify feeds back to us. The other thing that we did early on too is we went into a PLM system early on when we started and it was this random email that came through and I went down this rabbit hole and found this company. I'm like, 
oh my God, this is great. It's a you know cloud-based server pay per month um, PLM system. And we decided even at the very beginning before we even had a product, we're going to start our product here because Excel has, it's an amazing format, but it has so many downfalls. And so we kind of early on decided, okay, we need these tools. We need these tools. So we've chosen them even before the brand was ready or the company was ready. And so grateful that we have that infrastructure as we build. Yeah. And, and are those integrated as well that I would they assume? Don't, they Between don't, Shopify the PLM and... system doesn't integrate directly okay. into Shopify, but it allows us a cloud-based server that mm-hmm. most companies prior to that had, you know, built internally. Yeah. And it allowed us a monthly pay, you know, pay as you go per server as you go on a user-friendly intuitive platform that was cloud-based, which was amazing. And how about the the packing and logistics? Are you using a third party at 3PL or? We're currently um, doing it in the fulfillment with, as you get this, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. So we've controlled it from the beginning, which allows us amazing customer service. And we fulfill with high school students and college students. So they come in Whoa. at a part time. And, and this year, because of a lot of college students took gap year, then they come in and we actually supplement our marketing needs with that. It's not sustainable past 2021. It is crazy. We're going to walk in as soon as we're done with this interview and it's going to be a fury when we land shipments. It's um, it's crazy. It's been good because we've learned from the customer. We have that dialogue back and forth. We have an amazing customer service um, person that's just so fabulous with the communications and it's helped us react in real time. And so part of the next stage is, do we move to a 3PL or do we try to build our own platform and move forward? And it's a big challenge for us because we love- it's a tough jump because, because to, to your point, you can control the entire customer service process. And a lot of the times the reporting's just um, not on the same wavelength as your reporting. Right. So that's where that friction, um, occurs or the miscommunication. Yeah, I mean, we'll literally pull out packages because we'll get something from a customer and we're like, oh my God, she wants this. Do we have to add something? And we will do that in real time because we can now. We won't be able to do that when we move to a 3PL. So it's, um, but we, again, like it's not sustainable the way we're doing it. And especially when college students go back, <laughs> we won't have our workforce. Have you considered as you spool up and make your, um, you know, your logistics work more scalably over time, still including that, those boots on the ground, if you will, to keep that ambassadorship going. Um, and, and it's sort of a part two of that question. Um, how are you thinking about for the consumer, making sure that your story and the story they need to hear about sourcing reaches their eyes and ears? I, I my dream, and I don't know if it's possible or not, but I think that if we could do our own fulfillment, we could support it. I think one of the challenges that a lot of women have when they're working families and juggling times and up and down is that if we could find, you know, that part-time solution that is kind of a career path and working some of these in, it's kind of a, it's kind of a a thing that works within the school hours when kids are back in school, but within the school hours of having, you know, a part-time job with different moms that want to come and evolve. And then if we could work in with high school and college students and continue to control that, but that's kind of a business within itself. And I don't know if it's sustainable to build that along with our company and, you know, talk to us in a year, year and a half from now, and we'll let you know where our decisions 
were made. <laughs> um, we try. We don't really tell the story behind the scenes, but it is kind of remarkable. We've had we had our our first intern who started with us when it was in this room in my house with all the clothes. She came up and for for what a year came and worked after school for like two because she just wanted to be around us. She loved fashion. She's now a freshman in college. And coming home at Christmas and like touching base with us, like I, you know, I'm home. I want to, I want to be around you guys. And um, I love watching them grow and evolve. That's part of the education process and having that be a part of the company. I hope in whatever, whatever, you know, roles that we have that we can continue to to do that. We don't tell that story. I mean, that's an opportunity to tell it. So, I mean, again, your background with, let's say, Athleta and otherwise, um, it's a pretty large organization. Even when you start $150 million is no joke. Um, and the processes and the technology and the, you know, everything that is already, it's a well-running machine. Did you ever expect for it to be this, I guess like this, like this experience of growing your own processes and your own, like beyond the design, beyond the marketing? Um, wh what kind of took you for a curveball? I think when we, I remember every time, <laughs> Do, do you remember when we got our first like major, major shipment in and we, we had, we use a pre-order function for our product, which I actually think has been one of the most brilliant choices we've made because we've helped uh, ourselves fund um, product and marketing, you know, well before the actual product lands and also learn from the customer. Like, is she even really into this? So we'll do small test buys. Anyway, the first time we got our major shipment in and we were shipping for like three days straight and we were like up to our elbows in product. It was just us, you know, at that point. And we were like, Nancy turns to me, she's like, did you ever think that you would be elbows deep in the tissue paper for like three days <laughs> yeah. straight starting this? When business? we launched it, I didn't clearly like view this portion of it. And then the customer service part of it, like Hannah goes, oh no, I like talking to the customer. This is really awesome. I like answering it. Like I'll just, you know, I'll be on this chat or I'll, I'll do this for, and then all of a sudden, like we had some successes and some hits and our sales were going and she's spending like four hours a day just on this. I'm like, we need somebody to help us with talk to the customer. And we didn't clearly, you know, realize that the fulfillment part of it or that functional part of it, like she has to get the goods. Like we were so focused on designing it, moving it, the story, getting the web design, but then there's this back end part of it. And we were buried. We were just totally buried. And then figure out how to do the refunding through Shopify. In the early days, they didn't have the tools that they had and they did not have the plugin apps. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, we can't do this feature. And luckily within like two or three months of us hitting a wall, somebody had developed an app, Shopify had given it their star reviews and we found the tools. And when we hit these roadblocks, somebody out there is ahead of us finding this tool or it may take us three or four months to find it or to find the right tool that works and plugs in and gives it to us. But we have, I mean, I can't tell you how many apps we have running off of Shopify to allow us to do what we need to do. Yeah, well, feel free to reach out to us if you ever get stuck on uh, brainstorming some solutions. Uh, day in and day out, Mark and I are looking for the next greatest uh, solution. So I have a few that I haven't solved yet. So I'll give you a list after the podcast. Sounds good. Send it. Send it, send it over. Is an encyclopedia. Let me tell you, he knows exactly who to go to. I, I'll tip my hat. So there. All right. Well, this seems like a perfect moment to break quickly. And when we come back, it's going to be time for off the grid questions right here on fashion is your business. Be back in a moment. What if you could tell your story, the story of your brand, your product, 
the compelling story of the sourcing of materials or ingredients, or even tips for getting the best use out of your products? What if you could engage your consumer, amplify their experience, or even improve conversion or initiate sales at points they don't usually happen? What if you could connect with your consumer wherever they happen to be, in the store, on your website, in the bathroom, or even on the go? What would that be worth to you? It's time you learned about StoryDot from Mouth Media Network. Short-form audio stories consumers can access with their smartphone in brick-and-mortar locations, on physical product, or even embedded into your website. It's where commerce, advertising, and the consumer meet. Being competitive requires every advantage you can implement. So discover StoryDot today at www.storydot.com. That's www.storidot.com. And now it's time for questions off the grid with fashion is your business. Okay. Uh, this is the point of the show that we for six years have spun the wheel of grid destiny to, uh, by the way, Pavan, uh, as we record this, this week is our sixth year anniversary of fashion is your business. Can you believe it? You know, I was wondering, I thought to myself that one of our anniversaries is coming up because I remember obviously yep. being around this moment. Oh, sh- six years. Oh, wow. Huh? Yeah. Wow. What uh, was the date? Do you have the date or no? I, th- I think, well, not when we started recording, but when we first published, it was the end of December of 2014. So, wow. uh, holy cow. Anyway. Congratulations. Uh, to, to, <laughs> Thank you. Well, you you know what? We haven't missed a week. That is the most craziest part. We've never missed a week of publishing the show in six years. One way or the other we published. Yep. Every week. Um, We love to go off the grid, get more personal uh, with our questions, get to know you too as human beings uh, after we've gotten to know your business. Uh, So uh, now we're just going to get into your business, I guess. (laughs) So uh, we're going to spin the wheel and see whose question comes up first wheels going around and the first question is for me and nancy and hannah gonna ask you the same question and Pavan will do the same thing ask you the same question you can both answer it so my question is this how do you make sure you get a moment of sanity what is something that you do that that connects you back to sanity in the midst of all of the insanity of not just the world but launching a company Nancy, you want to take that first? Um, I am an avid cyclist, outdoor enthusiast. And so my connection is going out and riding 50 to 80 miles and um, breathing Ooh. and just breathing. It's, it's, uh, it's the cadence, I think, of the cycling and the breathing and um, the connection back to nature and the clearing of my head. Um, some people do meditation. I kind of do spinning meditation, not walking meditation. But um, cycling, cycling, skiing, um, all of that is my grounding force. Uh, after a bike ride, I, my head is clear. Beautiful. Hannah? Yeah, I mean, I am on the meditation side. <laughs> um, I've spent a long time practicing yoga and teaching yoga for many years. And so it's been something that's been in my life and helped me. You know, I discovered it at Pratt, actually. So, you know, 
really helped me ground anytime something gets really too much. It just reminds me, you know, what, what my priorities really are, where I am in the world. <laughs> it just brings me back to the ground. All right. Thank you very, thank you very much. All right. Uh, and another spin of the wheel because that's what we do for six years. We still do that. And uh, Puffin, Puffin, it's come to you. You know, Hannah and Nancy, looking back to early signs of, um, I guess, mindfulness in your own life and practice, and this could be even early childhood, what are some habits that you've had uh, as a child or growing up that relate and make complete sense to folks in your network that you're doing what you're doing in the way that you're doing it? When I was a kid, I've always, I've always been super creative. And I think one of the things I loved about being creative was sharing it with other people. And so I literally would make an art project. And then the first person who was like, oh, I like that, I would just give it to them. It was so satisfying to me. And so I think that, you know, as, as I got older and as I got into fashion, they were like, oh, obviously, you want people to be able to enjoy what you're making in every moment of their lives. And like bringing that joy and happiness to people is so deeply satisfying to me. I think that's why apparel makes the most sense. And that's why people are always like, oh, obviously, obviously. Thank you. Um, for me, it's about grabbing the people along in the journey, I think, that has been from a very early on, from people that are all different age groups, from mentors that are more aspiring to the youth that we work with and kind of pulling that all together. I've always surrounded myself with a broad range of people and a broad age group of people. And for me, it's creating something in the journey with that group of people. Um, I don't know if it's coming from the Midwest and craving those moments of the slowness that we don't get in the larger cities, but it's, um, it's the connections and the people that are what matters beyond what we produce or what we do. It's that. Very nice. How can people connect with you and uh, Epic uh, Evolution? Great name. So you, you, it is an amazing, it's a mouthful. So never feel bad if you can't get it right. Uh, EpochEvolution.com. So E-P-O-Q-U-E, it's the French spelling. So just channel your inner French girl. I know you all have one. And also Epoch Evolution on Instagram is our handle there. And uh, we are always super excited to talk to our customers. So, you know, chat with us. I often am answering the DMs on Instagram, so it'll probably be me saying hello. Um, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, uh, as I channel my inner French girl, I guess, uh, <laughs> Hannah Franco and Nancy Taylor, uh, co-founders of uh, Epoch Evolution, uh, congratulations on everything you've achieved so far. Uh, it is an exciting uh, company that you're building and an exciting mission that you're on. And uh, I know I, I, for one, I'm really excited to see where it goes, which seems like it's going to go pretty far. So uh, best of luck and thanks for joining us. Thanks. Appreciate thanks. the time. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Fashion is Your Business for Pub and Ball. Shake it easy, guys. I'm Mark Waco. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. Thank you.